I, so I always looked at that as my mother's final gift to me, you know, to know that I could write. In addition to being all the things that Jodi Say is, she is also an amazing author. She truly believes in the power of storytelling and she uses that natural gift to connect with her audiences at even deeper level. And uh, her very recent book called Almost a Murder, she goes underneath the obvious story, finds the story that lies behind the story. The story is about uh, about a lawyer who picks up a case that no one else would touch and finds out the reasons why someone would do something like that, why someone would take a case that was obviously uh, an obvious, was going to be an obvious loss. And so like anyone else, we there are questions in my mind, what made Jodi write this book? And what was the process that she used for writing this book? and so many more questions. And I'm sure you have those questions too. So let's listen to Jodi for one more time and uh, let's see what she has to say. Uh, so thank you, Jodi, for being here one more time. And let's do this. What made you write books? Like when did you start writing books and how did that start? I helped my mother die in 1986. I was with her at the moment of her transition. And then the next night I sat down at my typewriter. I didn't even have a computer. Um, and I wrote about the experience of having been with her at her death. And it never felt complete for me, that story that I wrote. And three years later, I had moved to Oregon. And, uh, and I thought it was supposed to be getting easier, but the grief was so crushing. It was just so huge. And I sat down at my typewriter and I wrote the rest of the story. And it was about the difference in my and my mother's spiritual paths and yet the parallel. And I called it sharing the lantern because I would see sometimes my mother and I on a country road and, and she's walking in one wagon rut and I'm walking in the other wagon rut and we're sharing the lantern to light the way. And so I, I wrote that story I sent it to Lear's Magazine, which was my favorite magazine at the time, and they bought it within a week. And I, so I always looked at that as my mother's final gift to me, you know, to know that I could write and that I could deliver the goods. So um, I didn't write a book. I wrote a number of essays, and they got published in the Dallas Morning News Magazine and various places around the country. But in 19... 91, I think, there was a, a, a disaster, a, a slaughter at a uh, Luby's Cafeteria in Colleen, Texas, where a, a crazed man drove his truck through the front window of a Luby's and got out and killed 26 people and wounded 27 others because he was having a bad day. A year later, I was in Tulsa, and I was sitting with my friend Marjorie and her daughter Patty in the front window of Luby's Cafeteria. And I was just wondering out loud what it would be like if you took the life of one person whose whole existence was shattered by that insanity and just traced it out. And then here came the story. Boom, boom, boom. The second coming of Curly Red. And uh, you know, I, I went to a, it won first prize for fiction at the Mendocino Coast Writers Conference. And I'd never even been to a writers conference, but it, it won. So 
then it was, uh, that was before it was published. And then after it was published, it was a, a finalist in the Oregon Book Awards. So that's kind of a big damn deal up here in Oregon. So anyway. It, it is a big damn deal. <laughs> yeah. And congratulations on the award. Do you want to tell me a little bit on your new book? I do. I have it sitting right here. Um, this is a book called Almost a Murder. And it's a true story lived by this man right here, Jim Lloyd. He's a rolfing client of mine in Tulsa. And I asked him one time, uh, I said, what's the most fascinating case you ever handled? And he told me about this story. And he was a, a new uh, attorney. He'd only handled one case in court and lost. Everything else had been settled out of court that he'd handled. But he was pretty wet behind the ears. And um, this case, this murder case, dropped into his lap. And it was a young woman who was from Thailand. And she married a guy from Tulsa who was from a wealthy family. It was not a good match. He was uh, abusive to her. Um, both physically and emotionally, even had a mistress that lived up the street and around the corner, and he was blatant about it. And so, um, but, and he would beat her. And one night they got in a ruckus over something, and he got a gun out of the top of the closet. And they wrestled over the gun, and bottom line was he wound up getting killed. And so the Broken Arrow Police Department that was, as it's a broken arrow suburb of uh, Tulsa thought they had a slam dunk. You know, they thought that this was wrapped up. They didn't have to worry about this, but the, so it's not really a who done it. Cause we know who done it. She done it. She did kill him. But what we don't know is if this young attorney is going to be able to prove that she didn't mean to have done it. Cause what happened was they were, they were fighting over this gun. He pushed her down. She had the gun and he pulled on the barrel of it. And the gun fired and went right below his knee and went in a chest of drawers. Um, he did it again, pulled on the barrel of the gun. It pulled so hard that it pulled her into a sitting position. The gun fired and shot him through the chest. And then he sort of stalked her around the house and in through the garage, and then he collapsed and died. And then she got a friend to help her stuff her dead husband's body in the car and drove it out to, uh, oh, she also landed him in the head with a baseball bat a number of times just to make sure he was good and dead. <sighs> there was nothing that she did that made her look innocent. She looked absolutely, totally guilty. Um, and they, they tried to hide his body and all this stuff, but uh, it's a fascinating story. And Jim went through all of their money paying for experts you know, blood spatter experts and forensics experts and to try to prove this case. And it went to trial three times, and he got her acquitted. It was uh, a miracle, you know. So something to be said for his tenacity. But the true hero in the story, to me, is his Jim's wife, Nancy. Because if it had been me, I just kicked his skinny ass down a tall flight of stairs, you know, just... You know, I mean, they he went through all of their money. It's a great book. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I'm going to read it. You understand people at the way they understand or understand themselves. Like you mm -hmm. talked about you were sitting in that cafe and you 
thought that, you know, if any one person out of here had to die today, what effect it, it was going to have. So that empathy, that understanding right. people's emotions and being able to express them. Jim had a manuscript of this uh, story and I asked him if I could read it. And so he brought it to me and I read it and it really sucked. It was not good. You know, it was boring. It was like, this happened, this happened, this happened, and boy, am I a great guy, you know. And so I said to him, why would you do this? Why would you go broke, almost wreck your marriage, almost lose your family, almost flush your law practice down the toilet to defend someone who had no money and couldn't pay you? Why would you do that? And he goes, well, I believe in justice. I went, oh, we all believe in justice. Go deeper than that. And he said, let me think about it. So over the weekend, he sent me an email and he said, I was at a time in my life where I wondered if I'd ever be a good attorney or if I should go back to uh, work at Texaco or learn a trade. He said, I'd only tried one case in court and I'd lost. Everything else I'd settled out of court. And, uh, and he said, and the year before, Nancy and I had lost a baby boy who only lived 12 hours. So I was feeling pretty much like a nobody at the time when I needed to feel like a somebody. And I thought, now we're getting somewhere, you know, because there's always a story behind the story. And that's what you want to get to, because that's what touches people's hearts. That's what they understand. And that's what they feel their own pain in that. So, yeah. And that's all in this book. So, you said a lot in that just one thing that you shared, whatever you see or whatever someone tells you for the first time, it's usually it's a very superficial thing. And that's not the root cause of whatever it is that is happening. Right. It's like, like I said, you know, you are ahead of the time. When uh, Curly Red was a finalist in the Oregon Book Awards, Literary Arts sent those of us who were winners and finalists around the state on this little mini book tour. And the guy who actually won it for the novel was a really nice guy named Craig Leslie. And his book was about a man who adopts a Native American kid. And we were over in Baker City, which is on the far east side of the state, his hometown. And we were at the library, a lot of people there. And he shared with the group that that was actually his own story, that when he, when he graduated from college, he tried to adopt a Native American boy who was so badly damaged with fetal alcohol syndrome that he wound up giving him back. And he talked about how he always felt like a failure because of that. And I remember thinking, ooh, this is the stuff people want to know. You know, the story behind the story. Because I read Craig's uh, autobiography and his father was a failure. You know, he felt, he, he, he felt that same feeling that he felt about his own father. And that's the stuff to me that's fascinating. And I hosted a television show here in Oregon for about 10 years called Backpage. And I called it Backpage because a lot of times when you flip to the back page of a book, you can find out some of the scoop about the author, you know, the stuff that people want to know. And, and that was, I think, was probably my strong suit was being able to get to the story behind the story, which made people open up. And, and I'll always be proud of that. I love that. <laughs> I would love to talk to you again. I would love to talk to you again. And uh, I'm on board. I'm on board. Really, I am. Thank you so much, Jody. 
And thank you so much. It was a great talk. I didn't even say a bad word. <laughs>